Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. John chapter 3, starting in verse 22. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Aenea near Salim, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John was not yet cast into prison. There arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. Verse 26, And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizes, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all, and what he hath seen and heard, that he testifies, and no man receives his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Father, help us today to understand your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So we pick back up in John chapter 3, and we're finishing John chapter 3 this week, and John is approached by some of his own disciples with questions about Jesus. They say, John, this guy Jesus that you pointed out to, pointed out to us, he, he's baptizing. He's baptizing the way you are. Do you approve of this? Jesus is getting bigger crowds than you. Are you offended by that? And John answers them, as only John the Baptist could. Verse 27, a man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. John's ministry was not about John. John was a wild man. He was poorly dressed. He was poorly nourished. He lived out in the wilderness. He did not cut the figure of a leader of a movement. He was no slick televangelist. But John had power. And few could deny that. People came because of John's preaching of repentance. And John baptized under repentance. And his followers seemed to fall into the same trap that many fall into today. They were admiring and following the earthly leader more than the Father in heaven. John, this guy Jesus, he's getting more people than you. This is a threat to our 
our ministry, our business that we're building. We want to be the biggest and the best, don't we? John says, no man gets anything except it gives, it's given to him from heaven. It's a gentle reminder to everyone in ministry and to all of us who are called Christians for everyone who is a Christian is called to minister in some way. It's not about us. It's always been about him. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not about me. In my ministry, if I have five people, 50 people, or 5,000 people, it's all the same. It's whatever God decides to give me. It's not about being the biggest and the best. It's not about baptizing more. It's not about anything. It's not about being able to brag. When I was pastoring, I would tell my church all the time, don't you dare tell people to come to church because we have a wonderful pastor or we have a wonderful fellowship. You tell them to come to our church because we have a wonderful Savior. It's all about Him. So John says, it's not about me. But he answers their question anyway. And he tells them exactly who he is. Verse 28. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I'm not the Christ, but I'm that I am sent before him. I'm that voice crying out in the wilderness. You remember the prophet talked about him? Verse 29. Here it goes. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. John says... I am the friend of the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom. That makes John the best man for some groom. Who's the groom? And what wedding are we talking about? Well, we find the answer over in Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse number 5. We're in heaven in Revelation 19, looking at the scene in heaven just before Jesus comes back to the earth to, uh, to in his second coming, to step foot on the Mount of Olives to set up his millennial reign on this, on this earth. And in Revelation chapter 19, verse 5, it says, And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings is saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor for, to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he said unto me, Write. Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And so the bride is the total body of believers since Christ's earthly ministry. Everyone who believes in Christ, who is born again, who obtains salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ by placing their faith in what he did on the cross. Each one of those persons is the bride of Christ. You see, our salvation is a picture of marriage, and marriage is a picture of our salvation. God gave man and woman marriage to picture what salvation should look like. And when Jesus Christ came to this earth, he perfectly pictured the wedding rituals 
He perfectly pictured the, the customs that the Jews had set up around marriage so that he could show us that what he wants from us is not just obedience, not just a, a, a prayer here and there, not just uh, some kind of lip service in our religious duties, but he wants an intimate fellowship with us, as intimate as the marriage is intimate between a man and a woman. That intimate. So let's look at the Jewish marriage customs for a second. Let's step away from John for just a second and, and picture this, this marriage uh, of, the, of the lamb and the bride, which is us. See, in those days, in Jesus' days, when a prospective groom would find a young lady, he would go seek out for a young lady. It was time to get married. He'd find a young lady, and when he found her, he'd follow her home. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Luke 9.56, For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them, seeking us out. He would follow her home, and he would first pay the dowry to her father. He would talk to the father first and say, I want her. And the father agreed. He would pay the dowry. He would, he would agree on the cost, what it would cost to get this young woman as his wife. You had to pay a dowry back then. Women were much more precious in this culture than they seem to be today, unfortunately. Much more precious. And so he paid the dowry. You know, when Jesus came to seek after us, he paid the price that the Father demanded. Romans 5.8 But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The father demanded the death of his son in order to pay the price of our sins, our dowry. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Christ's death was our dowry. And so he would pay the dowry, and then the, the, the contract wasn't finished, though, because the price was paid, but now... The person who's going to be the bride has to agree to it. See, just like that, Jesus paid the price before we agreed. He paid the price for our sins before we ever agreed to be his bride. And so, the young man, having paid the dowry, would offer the young lady a cup, a drink, something to share. He would take a sip. He would hand it to her. Luke twenty two twenty. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Jesus at the well with the woman. We'll talk about this next week. In Samaria. But whosoever drinketh of the water I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. The groom, the prospective groom, was offering the prospective bride a cup, saying, this represents our relationship. Will you drink from it? Jesus is offering us a cup. He's offering us a cup to drink from. The New Testament in his blood shed for us. And if we'll drink of it, it'll be in us a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So if the young bride would, uh, bride-to-be would drink, the relationship was sealed. Sealed. John 6.53, Then Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You must come. You must drink. You must eat. You must partake of Jesus. You must understand 
his death, burial, resurrection. Be a part of that. Now, this is not saying that in order to be saved, you have to take communion. You have to drink the communion cup. You have to eat the communion bread. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you have to have an intimate relationship with me. You have to get deep in a relationship with me. But if you will, if you'll drink of that cup, drink it to the dregs, you'll have life eternal. Revelation twenty two seventeen. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And so if the young woman would drink, then the relationship was sealed. And then a public announcement was made. The young man would run outside and let everybody know in the town, I have a bride. Well, we make a public announcement when we're saved. When we become the bride of Christ, we're supposed to make a public announcement. The first act of an obedient believer in Christ is public baptism. Now, through my years pastoring, I'd have several folks ask me over these years, would you baptize me uh, you know, when there's nobody here? I'm embarrassed. I, I'm, I'm not. No, I would never do a private baptism because it's not a baptism. Baptism isn't baptism unless somebody's there to watch. You have to have folks there watching because that's how it's a public proclamation. This is, this, this is the public proclamation that you're now the bride of Christ. And so once the proclamation was made, the groom would leave, and he would never see his bride again until the wedding night. Never again until the wedding night. John 14, verse 1, Jesus is about to institute the Last Supper. He's about to leave the upper room. He's about to walk through the garden and sweat drops of blood. He's about to be arrested and tried and hang on the cross and then give up his own life for us. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Just as the young groom would leave his bride and never come back until the wedding night, Jesus saved our souls. But he's not coming back for us until an appointed time. Now, while he was away, the young groom had some duties. He had to build a wedding chamber. He had to build a house. And he had to have the bride's wedding gown made. Some might have taken it upon themselves to make the ground themselves, but most would have someone else make it. But it was his responsibility to have the wedding gown made. Do you remember back when we read Revelation chapter 19, verse number 8, it said, And to her, the bride, the church, was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. We're going to get a robe. We're going to get wedding gowns when we get to heaven. Jesus is putting them together for us right now. He's waiting, waiting to come back. And here's the thing, when the bride, the groom would leave, the bride... The bride didn't know when he was coming back, and the groom had no idea when he was coming back. He would have to he would only be allowed to come back when his father told him he could go get his bride. When his father realized that the young man had made enough preparations and that the young man was ready, then his father would say, Go get your bride. In the same way, Jesus is coming back for us, but only the father knows when he's coming back. Mark thirteen thirty one. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son. 
I don't even know the hour, but the Father. Take ye heed there, and watch and pray, for you know not what the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taken a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and every man his work, and commanded his porter to watch. Watch you therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. And so Jesus saved us, and he went away. And we don't know when he's coming back. But just like the man who went away and left his, his house in the hands of others, his servants were the servants of Christ. When he comes back, he expects us to be working, keeping the house in order, our house in order, getting things done, doing the work that we've been called to do. But he comes back. He's coming back. And when the bride, when the bride would hear the groom's voice, uh, she would come out of the house and the groom would take her and they would go to a wedding feast that day. Once Jesus returns, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he comes into the clouds for the church the first time and we are going directly into heaven for our wedding. So we're the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. But there's somebody in the New Testament era, there is one New Testament saint who is not a member of the, of the uh, body of Christ, the bride. He's not a member. He's not a bride. He's not a part of the bride of Christ. One person, and you know who that is, because we've been talking about him. In the Jewish ceremony, the best man of the groom would come with him to go get the bride. And he was the one who would announce their entrance into the wedding party, wherever that was being held. And so he would go with the groom, and the groom would get his bride, and the best man would walk with the groom and the bride back to the house where they would have the wedding party. And before the bride and groom came in, the best man would go through the door and announce, Here they are. Here comes the bride. Here comes the groom. And so John the Baptist is the best man at our wedding to Christ. Why did Jesus pick John the Baptist to, be, to fulfill this role of best man? Well, Matthew eleven eleven, Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. See, John was still on the earth. He still hadn't achieved glory. But he said, while he was on this earth, never was there a man born greater than John the Baptist. And that's why Jesus picked him as his best man, his first cousin. He picked John, his cousin. He said, John, you're going to be the best man at my wedding. So John's not a part of the body of Christ. He's not a part of the bride. He's the best man at our wedding. His job is to point to the groom. Point to the groom. You look at verse 30 again. John says, He must increase, but I must decrease. That's his job, and that's our job. It's not about you. It's about him. He must increase. I must decrease. That's the job of the... Have you ever been to a wedding where the best man kind of upstaged everything? Isn't that a horrible thing? Terrible. See, what, what our wedding traditions have changed so that no longer is the best man one announcing the party. He makes this silly toast during the dinner. And oftentimes, he does a horrible job. 
and the best man makes a fool of himself and a fool of the bride and the groom because he's trying to get the glory for himself. John has the right idea. He says, this groom, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. And then John wraps out the rest of this chapter by telling us that Jesus is the one sent by the Father to testify to us. He's the one sent to testify to us. And we end chapter 3 with these words, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And that just echoes what we saw last episode when we read Jesus' words in verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so it's very simple, this idea of salvation. We are born condemned, and we have to come to a point of belief, real belief. Believing on Jesus, not just in Him, but on Him. Placing our faith on Him. Getting, uh, getting inside uh, this faith and having Christ inside us through the Holy Spirit. It has to be a real process if you're a person who says, I really can't point to a time a day, I can't, I can't remember a moment when I got saved or was born again, I'd encourage you, find that moment. Find it today. Because just as birth is a very violent thing, birth is a violent, violent thing. We talked about this a few weeks ago. The second birth is just as violent. Second, I heard a preacher one time describe it as a, Halo free fall into enemy territory, a high altitude, low opening free fall where you have to pull your parachute at the last moment so the enemy doesn't see you and you land under fire. That's what the second birth is. Because before you get born again, Satan pretty much leaves you alone because you're doing exactly what he wants you to do. The moment you get born again, though, hell lets loose her fury upon you to try to destroy you. And you are under fire. If you've been born again, you know it. So do you have the Son? Do you have eternal life? I pray that you do. If you don't, feel free. Contact us if you'd like to know more about how to be born again, how to be a child of God, how to know for sure heaven's your eternal home. Please do us a favor. Visit our website. Click the contact page. Send me a, uh, an email. You know, Go to our Facebook page and, and Facebook us and uh, ask a question. I'd be happy to help you in any way I can so that you can find eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you for listening again today. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. I'm Dave Mason. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.